Welcome to Trying Days The Journey, conversations with publisher Chris Milligan. I am Bruce DeTorres. With us are Rick Marcelli and Robin Bragg Marcelli, whose lives and careers are about uncovering the truth. Robin's career has been in business management. Rick's has been in show business. Their Trying Day book is Hide Your Love Away, an intimate story of Brian Epstein, as told by Larry Stanton. Their websites are hideyourloveaway.com and marcellicompany.com, M-A-R-C-E-L-L-I company.com. Rick, Robin, and Chris, it's great to be with you all. Well, hello. It's wonderful to be with you both, too. This one is going to be basically, I believe, scheduled the last week of the year here. And I thought, you know, you guys would be good people to have on and we can look back at what's going on the year, talk about your book, because we do live in interesting times, to to say the least. And And we've all seen some really amazing changes. The times we're in now definitely are different. And particularly why we feel so good and strong about our book, Hide Your Love Away, is that there were a lot of struggles that people that were homosexual, the LGBT, now Q, and there's a few other letters I think that follow after that. It was a struggle. And, and those are the things that we're very concerned with, and that's the history. It's the backstory of our story, of our book. We, we right. feel that that struggle would be important to a new generation of people that, for people that are gay or that are people that want to know about the gay world. But it's interesting that we have found that a lot of the new generation almost denies the fact that there was a struggle and doesn't really want to know that there's a struggle. I, 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 it's kind of, I scratch my head on it, but I've been told by a lot of people that that, that seems to be not all, but some of the case that they just don't want to know about it. And yet, you know, for people like Robin and I have a wonderful relationship and we're blessed by that, but for uh, a gay person to have the same kind of relationship that we have, uh, in terms of loving each other, they couldn't do that. They couldn't go out in the, in the fifties and in the sixties and hold hands or embrace each other. Uh, it was illegal. I mean, it's still, frankly, honestly, terrible. But in certain parts of the world, it's still illegal to do to show that kind of uh, open affection on the on public streets. Right, right. And and there's and there's a, a big quote unquote uh, political uh, pushback. You know, as to the awareness that uh, you know homosexuality is not a quote unquote sin, it is something uh, that happens and has happened for uh, millennia and, and beyond. Absolutely. And, and, uh, I mean, you know, I was uh, raised as a little kid in, in, in the South. Okay. And, uh, you know, I mean, I remember at the time, not really, you know, understanding how come uh, this was happening. Uh, you know, you'd go to a gas station and there'd be you know, men and, and women and, and a colored uh, uh, door. There have been a multitude of changes. And then, uh, again, one of uh, the pauses that I've held for a long time is that, you know, our, our first uh, fail-safe device is a dialectic, and that can get manipulated. And the next fail-safe device is a cycle of, of generations. And, and it, you know, it's just amazing, um, you know, the changes that are happening. And a lot of it has to do because of 
the personal computer and the internet. Okay, and and of course, correct the seeing of the uh, Earth. You know, back in the in the in the late sixties and the whole Earth catalog and and all of that and and looking at at a, at a more holistic uh, type of an outlook rather than just the outlook of well, I guess I got to get up in the morning and feed the cows or, or, you know. Right. But it's also interesting to me, as much as we've had those changes, it seems today, in a way, the, the rhetoric, the words have changed, but we still have the same problem and issues with color, as an example. Color wasn't supposed to be a part of our agenda in the 40s and the 50s and the 60s. And, and as you were saying, white bathroom or colored bathroom or colored fountain no, from the beginning of but, time but really. now it's the same kind of thing they're hiring people because of color when do we get it you know that you know that we're just sort of all human beings and stop the run on, on making issues about color I, I never knew as an italian american what box to check because they didn't have a box <laughs> for me to check so i, I you know I, I just so i i've over the years just put human being when they ask me about that, you know? Well, you know, you're a smart aleck, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, be, well. Yeah, that is true, Chris. That is true. That is <laughs> well, you know, it, it takes one to know one. But, you know, I, I was decrying one time. I was talking with Daniel Hopsicker, you know, I said, you know, I mean, we're, we're still just fighting the same old battles and stuff like that. And he had to tell me, he says, well, yes, but, but, but things have changed. You know, things have changed. And, and, and I really think that they're changing in a, in a good direction because we're having the discussion. And, and really, you know, change comes from discussion and, and understanding and moving forward with the generations instead of going backwards. Because what else is there to do? That's the importance of making sure that history isn't forgotten. And it seems that a good portion of the people in this country and the world are looking for something better, are looking to move forward, are trying to, to help humans be better. But we got to be careful not to fall into this trap of, of not having embracing freedom of speech and being so politically correct. I mean, when I was you know, growing up, I mean, some of the greatest comedians in the world wouldn't have a shot today. Lenny Bruce. Or uh, or Don Rickles would be uh, would would not have a shot, and yet he was by today's standards probably I don't even, I dare rude. Not, he, he was rude. He might <laughs> yes. even considered to be a racist with his comedy. No, he was funny, and if you ever saw his live show, he brought the audience together at the end. Uh, he was he was a pretty a compassionate and passionate man. In the comedy world, it's taken a real big hit. You know, they things you know, have become too woke, actually. And 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 that word, I can't really say I understand the meaning of it. But, it means but many things to many different people. You know, yes. who, who's ever uh, uh, using it to try and either besmirch somebody or 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 say how great they are, whatever. Uh, I, I see. You know, lots of different agendas, lots of different players, because you know. I'm one person and myself, a little help from friends. Okay. I'm, I'm a publisher and am able to, to, you know, if 
publish books that that do have an effect. I I don't have any money. Never, you know. Just think about what people actually with money and with an agenda. And it, it, I mean, it's just come out what that heiress, you know, was was up to give three million dollars for the January sixth thing. You know, I mean, the main guy that put it on uh, got a million too. Rick, you you put on a few things now and then, you know, most of them you probably put on with a shoestring, right? Correct. Think what you could do with a million too. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. So look at the ability of those people and not just those people, but any, any, any group of people, okay, with agenda, whether they want to influence something, steal some money or, or whatever. Well, I do think that our political system either side of the fence, uh, it's really the ultimate show business. It actually makes me laugh sometimes because it's so obvious. Everyone grandstands and it's all about me. You know what I mean? It's all about whatever they're trying to pit. It just, I, I, and I feel, and I feel our country really takes a hit for that, you know, because we've forgotten that. Remember that old thing, we, the people, a lot of politicians have a wonderful job. They get paid a, a good, a handsome salary. Uh, and for the rest of their life with the best medic, uh, medical ha- help and everything. Benefits. And yet they forgot to take care of the people they represent. Well, know? America has been subjected to years of psychological warfare, okay, to help create o- almost the society that we live in today, okay? Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you talked earlier about education. One of the first things that Skull and Bones did was to take over the education system. And I mean, yes. you look at the, the eighth grade tests from the late 1800s and a lot of college graduates couldn't, couldn't pass those today, but they, they came in and took out that education system that had been developed and, and brought in the Prussian education system uh, that taught you uh, what to think instead of how to think. Uh, we got this a book called School World Order, which you know, in my uh, publisher's forward, I said, this is a very scary book, okay, mm-hmm. because it shows how uh, the quote-unquote powers that be are using the education system to funnel kids in to their dream. That's right. Okay. At an earlier age, too, unfortunately, right. and that's, that's something that's truly scary. So hide your love away. I learned a lot of new stuff about Brian, and then, you know, I mean, like you said, it really is the story of Larry Stanton and this hidden love. And unfortunately, Larry Stanton, we lost Larry Stanton earlier this year. Yeah. We feel privileged to have been able to tell his story. He wanted to make sure that his story was known to the world because of the special relationship that he did have with Brian. Unfortunately, Till his death, Larry Stanton still struggled, even though there were a lot of you know, things, doors that opened up different for you know, anybody that was homosexual. Because he was an older gentleman, there was still, it was like ingrained in him and very hard for him to, to feel the acceptance. We were very close to him. I've known Larry uh, since I was 12 years old. And Robin has known him for the last 20, 25, 30 years. And uh, 
what's interesting is we knew he lived with, he had a, a roommate, nice guy who's, who was ill also at the time. We never put it together. I, that's probably totally naive on our part. But when he passed away, we spoke to his niece who told us that that was his life partner, but he didn't want to ever have any, he didn't, he was too afraid to come out with it. So even us who we were, we were, I cannot tell you how close we were. He would never identify this gentleman, Albert, as that person in his life. He was very cautious about that. And that was because of the generation he grew up in being in fear and having to live basically in the closet, that old term. And that has changed for the new generation. Yeah, in 1967, when Brian Epstein passed away, and we we think he passed away, questionable, uh, his death was questionable to us. But that was the same year they started changing the laws in England uh, in terms of homosexuality. They didn't change those laws in the United States until 2010 or something something like that. Something like it was like amazing. Even though the 70s was a good time, at least there was an awareness and and the acceptance of certain things. In you know, if for that world were becoming more accepted, but they were still getting beat up, and they were still it was still taboo, and it was uh, all of that. But uh, when Brian died, uh, you know, there it's reported that he died from uh, drugs that he was taking. But we feel strongly that it was another element. We feel strongly because of what Larry told us that there was something going on other than just him accidentally taking pills. Right. Well, the, the, the death of Brian Epstein, I mean, there were plenty of reasons by a couple of different people to want him to be gone, at least as far as the evidence that I've seen has messed up the Beatles. And, and yeah, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a generation. I mean, I uh, still have trouble talking on long distance for a long time because uh, we were always told, you know, don't talk on the phone very long and stuff like that. And I, I've seen some of the change. I may, my, my, uh, nephew is Eric Milligan, who played Zach Addy in Bones, and uh-huh. was, was one of the first gay actors uh, openly out uh, in in Hollywood. And, uh-huh. and uh, you know, I don't know if it uh, affected his career or not, but it's uh, it, it, it was always interesting, and it was a window onto that world that I hadn't had before, because it's a world just like any world. Brian had to deal with telling his, for his family knowing what he really was like as a person. And that created some problems for him. Although his mother, uh, Queenie, uh, that was the nickname for her, at least she understood and embraced him. And Larry had the same struggles with his family as well. Part of that is what bonded their relationship initially. Not only that, but they were both Jewish. Uh, I think they both struggled with depression issues. So they they had at least three major things in common that sort of uh, sparked their relationship. Yeah, it it was very interesting with my, uh, you know, with my nephew, because, you know, the whole family, there hadn't been a gay person in it. And, and, you know, and the acceptance, you know, was uh, very interesting to watch along the family. Well, you know, the interesting thing also is as much as it, sort of isolated these people and they had to go to their own sort of underground bars and underground restaurants and hang out in circles. That also created what we refer to as kind of a velvet mafia of very powerful people 
that could help each other that could that could bring the next gen, next person into 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 success very strong very I mean strong that, that goes on I mean you know in the record industry you know with David Geffen and, and various people and uh even going back to uh Stigwood you know and and that whole situation uh that whole gay world was very was very powerful and very successful same in New York and in, in the uh, in Broadway area and part of that part of that situation is that when they used to go to Brian I'm speaking about would go to parties with uh, uh you know Stigwood and everybody you know the whole little circle they'd go to Lord Boothby would throw these uh, a kind of elaborate parties men only kind of thing that's where some compromising photographs were taken of Brian that Brian held on to dearly uh and protected but they were actually stolen by um what we the refer to in lover. a book as the toxic lover. And that created a whole bunch of problems for Brian. I, I can't say that he was concerned about being gay in terms of public knowledge. He was concerned that the public would take it out on his client, his lads, the Beatles. And that's what he was concerned about. The Beatles knew he was gay. They all knew it. It was an open, open book, but he, they, it wasn't really public knowledge. And he was, he was, he was scared for them. Part of the Lord Boothby connection is a, a fellow by the name of Leslie Holt, who was more of the age that uh, was close to the toxic lover. And he was and the so, chauffeur correct. Of, of Boothby. Yeah, that's where blackmail mm -hmm. and all sorts of criminal elements really started to come into play that was very hard for Brian to deal with. There were a couple of gangster types called the Cray Twins uh, that were pretty notorious back in the day. They were even security for Frank Sinatra when Frank Sinatra went to England, but people were afraid of him. And one of the twins uh, was gay. They were really close to uh, Robert Stigwood. And of course, Robert Stigwood wanted to have a business relationship with Brian. Uh, and Nims. And Nims. Yeah. And that sort of put... Brian into a corner. You got to remember the last year that Brian was alive was the last year that he was, he had a contract with the Beatles. He had to, he was about to renegotiate a new contract with the Beatles and he wasn't sure if they would, they would agree or not. And Stigwood wanted to have, wanted to become partners with him, wanted to take over his company. And it's been written in a lot of books that that's probably the case. We just question that. What proved to me that Brian really wasn't about giving up his company and selling it off and was tired of the whole thing was the fact that I was in Rick Gerard's office. He was an A&R producer at RCA Records on Sunset Boulevard. And Rick Gerard produced Jefferson Airplane, um, a young Michael McDonald. That's where I met Michael McDonald. He was like 17 years old. And he also produced uh, Jose Feliciano and had the hits Light My Fire and all that. He also had Harry Nielsen, who he found working at a bank. I had got the chance to meet Harry uh, often and go to his sessions. Even I took Robin to a session of Harry mm -hmm. Nielsen's. But uh, I was in Rick's office when Rick got a telegram from Brian Epstein wanting to manage Harry Nielsen. Now, why that's important, it was that he got that telegram a week before Brian died. And I figure a guy that's quit in the business isn't going to be sending telegrams to Rick Gerard, who he doesn't know, asking to align himself up with Harry that he really wanted to do this and wanted to contact 
Harry's producer. So that told me that that I don't believe that I, I don't believe he was giving up his business. I don't believe that merger was happening. I believe he was being pressured into thinking it could happen. He was being put into a corner. All of that, plus the alcohol and drugs that he was taking. And the toxic lover. And the toxic lover moving in the backfield, uh, I think really put Brian's life in jeopardy. With regards to the toxic lover, this person has been mentioned in other books that have been written about the Beatles, where they mentioned Brian as the manager of the Beatles. But nobody knows the detail about him or even where he came from. Nobody knows what happened to him. We were not successful in finding out what happened to him as well. He could be deceased. He could be alive well, well, somewhere. Well, but <laughs> Well, we did try to find out if he was still alive. We tried to use our, our contacts with the FBI. And, you know, that's never easy. And we know that this person was arrested in Los Angeles. We know he was arrested in New York. We also know he was arrested in, in London. And there's no record of him whatsoever. No record at all. He's been swallowed up as if he never existed or Scotland Yard or the FBI has put him on some kind of a, a witness protection, yeah, witness program, protection pro yes. program for information that he had about the craze. The or Beatles, maybe about the Beatles or as well. Maybe he, he was a CI all along and informant all along. Do we know he was alive? Yes, because Larry Stanton introduced this person to Brian. We Larry knew him. Uh, his roommate went to high school with this guy. So, so they all knew each other before Brian knew him. It was Larry that introduced him to Brian and started that whole toxic relationship spiraling down. The it's road. an amazing story. It really is. And people ought to get the book. Uh, hide your look, uh, love away and check it out. Um, it's available on Amazon, all good bookstores and on trying day. Again, we've gone through a lot of changes. What uh, do you, do you have any hopes for the future? I want to say one thing about trying day, if I may, mm -hmm. you know, initially when, when discovering your company and you, mm -hmm. I would say, Oh, these books are kind of, Oh, they're conspiracies. They're, they're conspiracy books. Oh, Oh, that's really interesting. But you know what's happened in recent times is those conspiracy books are realities. <laughs> Everything that was kind of questionable has now been proven to be incredible realities. Well, and part of that is opening up one's mind to really read the words, really hear the stories, really understand for each of these different categories of types of books that that you've published, Chris. And so I'm 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 amazed, and and I would say that anybody that's listening, anybody, if you want to get into your hands around some things that that will blow your mind, just check out your library of books that you're selling, Chris, because they're quite amazing. Even uh, Bruce Notorious, your book God School, 9/11, and JFK. I mean, there's some things in that book that will blow your mind. That and that was that book was written uh, a little bit ago, but the fact is, everything that Bruce is saying in the book applies to this moment in time. It's It kind of blows your mind. Yeah, it does. Absolutely. It, I forgot what the question was. As far as the future <laughs> is... Um, we're, we're writing more books. We're writing more books, but we're hoping that the world is, you know, especially this time of the year, will embrace peaceful thoughts. 
And you guys have a, a, a radio show? Well, uh, Harvey Brownstone does interviews uh, with various different people, uh, authors and, and uh, celebrities and what have you. And that would be HarveyBrownstone.com. Harvey Brownstone is actually airing on XPTV1 in England and air broadcast through the Caribbean and, and uh, Europe Africa, and, and yeah. Africa. Yeah. And it's, it's been, it's, they've got now close to 5 million viewers. Harvey's website is harveybrownstoneinterviews.com. That's correct. Thank you. Correct. Thank ah, you. The voice comes and tells us <laughs> what's going on. A recent podcast, Chris did with an author named Chris Bennett about cannabis. Peppered in there are a couple observations of how revered homosexuals and transgender people were back in ancient times. They were considered the holy ones back in that more tribal or more pantheistic or close to nature societies. American you know. Indians, the um, American Indians. Yeah. Yeah. The um, only problem, I, the, I don't have any issues with LBGTQ except that if they keep adding more letters, I'm going to be saying the whole alphabet. <laughs> That community, like so much, I feel, of the Black community in America has just been played by their leadership. Where should people go to follow your work? Well, we have a website, which is the MarcelliCompany.com, Marcelli Company, M-A-R-C-E-L-L-I Company.com. Or, and Facebook. And also we're on Facebook. And we're out there always doing stuff. We write film reviews for a, for a magazine in um, Nevada. Uh, which is called Film, <laughs> Food, and Fun. Film, Food, and Fun, where we we take classic movies, new and old, and pair them with great with a great dinner that you can have to go along with it. Because I find that most people now, or at least we feel, uh, a lot of people like to enjoy a movie at home in the comforts of their own home, and they want to have some nice food, and they couple it together. We love film noir. We love old classic movies. And, uh, and as well as new movies, there's some incredibly uh, inter interesting new movies that are hitting, hitting, uh, coming out. And we're all always excited to, uh, to view those. Well, and we're looking to expand that to not just the more local neighborhood type of magazines, right. expand it to other magazines yeah. and, and maybe do the reviews a little bit different or more detailed. Now, currently, the food doesn't involve recipes that go along with it, just recommendations of foods that we would enjoy. And, and Robin definitely wants to get into the recipes, that's <laughs> yes. for sure. And but, I, by the way, and I just want to eat it. So, I mean, you know, but I'm a good sous chef. I'm, a, I'm a, you know, I'm really good at cutting, cutting things up. We enjoy working in the kitchen together. Yes. Chris, I just want to say something to you that we both want to thank you for your support uh, for our book. I mean, you you put up with us. Uh, really mean it. You've put up with us, and 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 uh, and we're grateful for our friendship and a grateful for your guidance. And also, we have other uh, relationships of people that have been doing business with you, and you've been so kind to them as well. You you seem to be that seems to be your rhetoric, your, your way style. of operating. Your everybody style. really, everybody really likes you. What went Wally, wrong? Wally, thank thank you. You know, sometimes I can be, uh, I think, too too kind. But uh, beyond all that. Uh, it's the it's the end of the year, so uh, best of the season. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Merry Happy Christmas. Christmas. good stuff to everybody, and yeah. uh, onwards. You know, yes, let's you. make this a better a better world. You know, yes. what more can we do? Yes, Amen. Right. Yes. yes, Amen. Onward. Amen.